Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. No, I mean, I don't have a home. You don't? What happened? Are you lost? No place good enough for you? What, you're all alone in this big empty world? Truth is, I'm all alone too. Pumba, you're the only friend I've ever had. You mean? Yeah, Pumba. And friends stick together to the end. Pastor Clint said, my name is Esther, and I'm on staff here at the church. Isn't that such a sweet video? I love it. I love how heartwarming that is. Um, I wanted to share that with you because, first of all, I just love The Lion King, and I love Timon and Pumbaa, but I wanted to highlight their sweet friendship that they have and their um, relationship, and if you've ever seen The Lion King, you know that they stick together. They're always with each other. They're always backing each other up, and they're always doing silly things together. Um, they just have this incredible friendship. So I have another friendship to show you. Here's a group of people that are committed. Anyone seen Friends? Okay, we've got a few. Um, they are a fabulous group of six that love each other and are always there for each other, and they do everything together. I admire the types of friendships that can just like walk into people's, like their friend's house. Like, they just waltz in. I don't know if they have a key or if they just always keep their apartments in New York unlocked. But um, <laughs> they just walk in whenever they want. I love that they celebrate holidays together. It's so fun. I just admire that. I was a little bit envious of that always. Um, okay, and then I have one more group to show you. This is the Golden Girls. I love the Golden Girls. And I really just showed you that because I wanted to talk about the Golden Girls. But they, um, for those of you that don't know, they are a group of four women that live together and they become best friends, and they truly do life together, and um, yeah, they're amazing. And one thing I love about the Golden Girls is that conveniently, every other episode, all four of them are not able to sleep, and so they all convene in the kitchen at 2 a.m. and eat cheesecake and desserts together, <laughs> and I love it. I think that's so fun. Isn't that like the best kind of friendships? Aren't those the best? Don't you just want to have those kind of friendships? I know I do. Um, don't you just want to be that friend, though? Friendships are really, really important, and they're really important to God. So I want to read this scripture. It's from John 15, verses 12 through 13. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So community and friendships are really important to God. And today we are going to look at how we can be really committed friends. So we are continuing our summer series titled Fully Committed, and we are studying different Bible characters who were fully committed to God and to others. Uh, last week, Pastor Clint gave us a message on fully committed to helping my people, and it was a fantastic message. If you missed it, don't worry. You can watch that online. It was really, really great. 
Um, but today we're going to be looking at the story of Ruth in the Old Testament. In this section of scripture, uh, we're going to be pulling out ways that, um, that Ruth was a really good friend to Naomi and how she was committed to Naomi and how Ruth was the kind of friend that we all wish we could have. So um, I want to encourage you to open up your Bibles to Ruth chapter 1. Um, and then while you're doing that, I'm going to give us just a little bit of background. So we're going to be looking at Naomi along with Ruth. And Naomi, her husband, and her two sons uh, were Israelites from Bethlehem. And there was a famine that happened in Bethlehem. So then they end up going to the country of Moab. And uh, that's then Ruth's sons uh, marry two Moab women. Their names are Ruth and Orpah. And we will obviously be talking about Ruth. And after several years, Naomi's husband died, and then her sons died as well. So it's just the three women left. Um, and then Naomi heard that the famine was over in Bethlehem and decided that she was going to go back to her homeland. And that's where we're going to pick up. So we're in Ruth 1, verse 8. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and they gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So Ruth stuck with Naomi, and they traveled back to uh, Naomi's hometown, and she was a good friend to Naomi. They did a lot of life together, and she was really committed to Naomi. So today's message, message title is Fully Committed to Friendship, and we are going to be looking at how Ruth was a committed friend to Naomi. But before we jump into the message, um, would you pray with me? Father God, I just thank you for this morning. We just invite you here, Jesus. We invite you here, Holy Spirit. Will you come in this room with us? Lord, will you make my words your words? And will you take whatever you want me to say and make me say it, Lord? But if there's things you don't want me to say, I ask that you don't let me say them. And Lord, I just ask that you open up all of our minds to whatever you want to say this morning. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right, so your first point is, like Ruth, we can be fully committed to friendship by being loyal through it all. Being loyal through it all. This comes from verse 16. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. So Ruth was consistently 
loyal. There was, there was a good season, you know, when their husbands were alive and she was loyal then, but then there was also a, not a good season after their husbands died and it was just them. But still through it all, she was still loyal. And at this point, it would be so much simpler for Ruth to just go home and like be with her people, be with her family. Naomi even gives uh, valid reasons why it doesn't make sense for Ruth to just stay with her. She, she tells her, I'm not going to have any more sons for you. You know, I'm not going to provide a husband for you. Uh, she even says, Orpah's going back. Just go with her. Um, earlier in the text, Naomi's even praying that Ruth is blessed with her new husband elsewhere without Naomi. She, this, is, this is just what makes sense. But there's no obvious reason why Ruth should stay with her. And yet she still chooses to be loyal to Naomi. So I want to look at the word loyal. The definition of loyal is giving or showing firm and constant support or allegiance to a person. Firm and constant support. Firm and constant. So I want you to think about your life. I don't know what each of you have in your lives, but I want you to just kind of, kind of reflect on it. Who or what are you loyal to? Maybe it's friends, maybe it's family, maybe it's um, your place of work. It could be as simple as a restaurant that that's where you only go for Italian food, or it could be um, this is the only person I let touch my hair and style my hair and cut my hair. Or maybe it's a car mechanic. Guys, car mechanics are someone that you're usually pretty loyal to. I think we've all got something there that we're going to be loyal to. How is loyalty represented in your life? Um, I want to read a quote from Survey Center on American Life. They performed a survey on how friendships have been affected since COVID-19. It says, coming out of a once-in-a-generation global pandemic, Americans appear more attuned than ever to the importance of friendship. However, despite renewed interest in the topic of friendship in popular culture and the news media, science suggests that the role of friends in American social life is experiencing a pronounced decline. The May 2021 American Perspective Survey finds that Americans report having fewer close friendships than they once did, talking to their friends less, and relying less on their friends for personal support. Wow, it's so sad. So I showed you that because I want, I want to show you how drastically friendships are declining. Friendships take a lot of work. They take a lot of time. They take a lot of effort. Really quick, I want to compare them to marriages. So marriage is a huge commitment. We're talking about um, dedicating your life to someone. Um, we're talking about taking public vows to be with someone. It's a legal binding agreement. But I saw a statistic this week that said 35 to 50% of marriages end in divorce. That's heartbreaking. We're talking 50% of marriages end in divorce, and that's a huge commitment. Unlike marriage, friendship, you don't take a vow to be friends with someone. It's not a legal agreement. You can get out of a friendship so much easier than a marriage. So in, in theory, friendships would take less commitment, right? So if 50% of our marriages are failing, where does that leave friendships in our culture? It's so easy to give up on a friendship. Think of any time you just maybe don't see eye to eye with a friend. Well, then I'll just not, I'll just not text them. I'll, I'll not call them. I'll not hang out with them. I'll just give myself a little space, a little break. 
It's so easy to not commit on a friendship, but friendships are still really, really important. Mayo Clinic says that friends prevent isolation and loneliness, and they give you a chance to offer needed companionship too. Friends can also increase your sense of belonging and purpose, boost your happiness, and reduce your stress. So friendships are really vital. I read that to you because it's important that we understand that we really need friendships. We really need our people. We really need community. Scripture says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 10, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Um, I also wanted to share the New Living Translation with you. I read it this week, and oh, I love it. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Ouch. We cannot do this life on our own. We need people. We are in a society where there is, there's a mindset going around that I can do it myself right? There's, um, we're in a, a culture where independence and even just being alone is promoted. But Scripture's telling us the opposite. Scripture's telling us we need people. So while the world's telling us you can do it by yourself, no. Scripture's telling us that we need people. Um, I want to tell you a story. When I was little, I had a best friend. Her name is Bridget. She does not go here, uh, but I love Bridget. And we grew up together. She's my childhood best friend. We grew up neighbors. We actually know each other our entire lives. Um, and when we were little, every once in a while, I would tell her that I, don't wanna, I didn't want to be her friend anymore. And um, I know, I wasn't a good friend then. Um, <laughs> but Bridget would always talk me back into it, always. I mean, we would spend hours on why we should be friends. And she would always talk me back into it. And the reason... I didn't think we should be friends was because I had this, this thought that, well, we're not going to make it to adulthood. We're, our friendship's not going to last that long, so let's just cut it off now. And she always said, no, it's really bad, I know. Um, she would always come back and, and say, no, we're going to be friends forever. Like, our friendship can make it to adulthood if, if we make it make to adulthood. She always fought for it. So when we got to high school, we were just, um, just about graduating, and um, you know when you're in high school and you're graduating and you're going kind of different directions and not really sure what the future holds? Well, we were kind of in that, that period. And we started hanging out once a week. This was very natural. We actually were going to a church youth group together. And um, we started doing that for several months. And, oh, it, was, it was so great. It was a great season. But we we decided, well, why don't we just always hang out once a week? Why don't we pick a day? And at that point, it was Wednesdays, and we thought, well, let's just hang out every Wednesday. And so we did that for a couple of years. Uh, and then Wednesdays didn't work anymore, so then we jumped to, I don't know if it was Tuesday, maybe. And then Tuesdays didn't work for a while, so we went to Fridays, and we even went to Saturday mornings for a while. Um, but eventually, we landed on Mondays, and we did that for a few years. And we still do that. We still hang out every Monday. It, it's our time together. It's a time that I know I personally look forward to because it's just, this is just going to happen. I'm just going to get to see Bridget this week. And it's been amazing. We've been doing that now for eight years. And we are best friends. I will tell you, we have a bond and a relationship like no other. 
It's, it's amazing, and it's all because of loyalty. It's because of her loyalty to me. But this took a lot of time and work. We didn't just wake up one day and we were still friends because we wanted to be. No, we, we put in the time, we put in the effort. Um, and it's because of our consistency that we got to know each other so well. So not only, if you think of all the time we spent together, think of eight years. If we spent even just three hours together, once a week for eight years, that's a lot of time. You're gonna get to know somebody, and I'm not saying that has to be every friendship, but for us, it's been amazing. So not only have we not drifted apart, we've actually just begun, became so much closer. One thing I love about this is that uh, Bridget and I didn't have to stay friends. In fact, um, I released her from our friendship multiple times. And when I say multiple, I mean multiple. Like, multiple times I told her that we didn't need to be friends. And, and I released her from, well, it's just not gonna happen, so, you know, it doesn't need to. Well, it's the same with Naomi. In Ruth and Naomi's culture, it was Ruth's responsibility to take care of Naomi since her um, husband and sons had died. And in the text, Naomi is releasing Ruth from that responsibility. She's saying, she says three times, you go, you go, you go. And Ruth says, no, I'm staying. This wasn't out of obligation or responsibility, but it was because of choice. Ruth chose to be loyal to Naomi. And she chose Naomi without knowing what the outcome would be. If you continue reading Ruth, you'll, there's a lot of stuff that happens, and Ruth ends up being one of the five women mentioned in Jesus' lineage. It's amazing. She had no idea that that would happen. And the text also makes it look like she stayed without hesitation. I mean, it makes it seem like it was pretty quick. Like, nope, I'm staying, nope, I'm staying, nope, I'm staying. And um, she also, I love the, the words they use to describe her. They say, Ruth clung to Naomi. Ruth was determined. She had determination and she clung to her. So cool. Think of just having a determination in a friendship. Just think of clinging on to someone. So your next villain is a great friendship will require a devoted attitude. And it's simply that because of Ruth's devotion towards Naomi, they had an incredible friendship. Because of Ruth's determination to stay with Naomi, she was a devoted friend. And I think that's what we all want. Because that's just amazing. So that's point one. Like Ruth, we can be fully committed to friendship by being loyal through it all. And your second point is this. We can be fully committed to friendship by choosing selflessness. If you look at the scripture, Ruth was so selfless in choosing Naomi. She could have gone to her home. If you think about your home, you know, you know your home, you know your people. She could have went with what she was familiar with. But instead of doing that, she went with people that she wasn't familiar with. Um, Naomi's people would have been a different culture, a different religion, a different language. And that's what she chose over a culture and a religion and a language that she knew, people that she knew. She went with what she didn't know and what she was unfamiliar with. But it did cost her something. She did leave her family. It definitely, there was a cost to it. But true friendship is self-giving. It's, it's a sacrificial kind of friendship. 
it was easier for Ruth to go home. I mean, if you think of just the facts, it's just easier for her to go home. She could have done the easy thing, but she did the hard route instead, just out of selflessness, and she had no idea what would happen, but she still put Naomi first. In Luke chapter 6, verse 31, Jesus says, do to others as you would have them do to you. This means no matter the circumstance. In this exact um, text, in this, in this context, Jesus is talking about enemies. So it doesn't matter the circumstance. You're still going to do to others what you would have them do to you. And I think that Ruth played this out really well by putting Naomi's needs above her own needs. And I'll tell you right now, when it comes to friendship and any, any kind of relationship, there's going to be times where you need to put their needs above your own needs. But that means you also have to take your focus off of yourself. And that can be ridiculously hard, but so, so vital. Um, with that, I want to talk about FOMO. Who in here has heard of FOMO? Yes. So FOMO stands for the fear of missing out. Basically, it's, it's what people would say, um, let me see how I word this, it's what people would say when they have a concern they're going to miss out on something good. So if you're, you know, maybe you're at a party and, well, like, this is how I get, I really, I really want to go home because I want to go to bed, but like I have FOMO and I want to stay in case like something good happens while I'm gone. That's kind of like an example of FOMO. And if you look at it in like a friendship, FOMO can often mean that, well, I might hang out with you unless something better comes up. But true friendship doesn't say that. True friendship says, I'm going to hang out with you no matter what comes up because I'm your friend and I'm going to commit to you. Um, people are very flaky. Um, people want to do what they want to do. And so today I just want to encourage you that if that's your tendency to um, maybe pass up on something for something better when it comes to friendships, don't do that. Be the person that commits to plans or commits to a person and just follow through. I know it can be hard, but it's really, really important that we're a committed friend. Scripture talks about how we shouldn't be selfless, selfish. James 3 verse 16 says, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Oof. Gosh. And then Philippians 2, verses 3 through 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking at your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. The scriptures are saying that we're not supposed to just focus on our own wants and desires, but we're supposed to value the wants and desires of others. Guys, it goes back to putting, putting others first putting their needs above our own. So I would like to read you a story about a man who was selfless in a really rough situation. Um, his name is Dave Hartsock. Here's a picture of Dave. Say, hi, Dave. Hi, Dave. Hi, Dave. Um, okay, so this story is titled, A Man Who Used His Own Body as a Crash Pad. It says, in 2009, veteran Texas skydiving instructor Dave Hartsock was in the middle of a 13,000 feet high tandem jump with Shirley Diger, a grandmother and first-time diver, when he discovered that neither of his two parachutes would open all the way to stop their free fall. Red alerts screamed through his brain as he struggled to untangle the parachute lines. 
They fell thousands of feet, then a few thousand more. With just seconds left to go before impact, Dave opted to use control toggles to rotate his body so that he'd cushion Shirley, absorbing the brunt of the force when the two of them hit the ground. Dave's quick thinking saved Shirley's life. While she sustained some injuries, she recovered and is able to function normally. But Dave made a paid a monumental price. The fall paralyzed him from the neck down, most likely permanently, and he now needs help to do things as basic as getting dressed or taking a bath. Shirley, who has kept in touch with Dave since the accident, sometimes tears up when she thinks about what a sacrifice her instructor made for her, saying, how can somebody have that much love for another person? This is such a beautiful story. So this is a real life example of what it looks like to be selfless. Now, I don't know as though this is gonna happen every day for us, but it can be really extreme. So I wanna give you guys a few examples of just what it looks like to practically be selfless, because that dramatic situation is not gonna happen every day. It's just probably not gonna happen. Um, so here are just some practical ways that we can be selfless for our friends. You can jot some of these down, or if the you know, Lord brings anything else to your mind, write them down. Um, you can pay for their meal or their coffee. Um, maybe if you are going out to a restaurant, you can let them pick where they want to go. Let them make that decision. Uh, you could always offer to help with a home project, um, a car project, anything that they've got going on. Maybe they've got some big whatever kind of project and you just want to help them. Even if you don't know what you're doing, just go offer to help. Um, you can also offer to watch their kids. You know, if you know a parent that really, they need, like, they need a night off, or a single parent that needs a night off, whatever it is, offer to watch their kids. Give the parent a night off. Um, another way that we can be selfish is by letting your friends talk. Let them talk. You can ask questions. Um, I, I will say that I have found friendships to be very, very important, and I've, I've noticed healthier friendships in my life when we talk equally. So there are times when I'm with a friend and I'm like, I just need to talk, you know, and that's, that's the thing. But then there's got to be other times, though, where I'm quiet and letting them talk, and I'm asking them questions, and I'm asking them about their day, and I'm asking them about work, whatever it is, but ask people questions. People like to talk, and honestly, there's a lot of people out there that are listeners and they don't get to be talkers. So if you find yourself being the talker, just start asking some questions. There's just basically, actually you can Google questions. If you don't know what to ask, just Google some questions. <laughs> it's really helpful, it'll help you, promise. Just pick five and take those out. They'll fill up the rest of the time. So here's a question I want you to ask for yourself. What is one way I can be selfless with a friend this week? What is one way I can be selfless with a friend this week? Maybe it's one of the things I said earlier, maybe something else came into your head. But I want you to write it down, whatever that one thing is, right now, there's a pen in front of you. And I wanna encourage you to follow through. This could be a really good practice. If every single person in this room right now did that this week, it'd be so cool. That's, that's that many selfless acts. So I really want to encourage you guys to follow through on that. 
So th those are our two points. Like Ruth, we can be fully committed to friendship by being loyal through it all and choosing selflessness. I'm going to invite Clint and the worship team back up. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofinner.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.